today's episode of Learning for All podcast, I am joined by Dr. Anne Costello, head teacher in Mountjoy Prison. We spoke about the importance of education and its transitional role within the prison education system and how Ireland provides promising practice in this area. And thank you very much for joining us today for Learning for All podcast. We're absolutely delighted and honoured to have you on the podcast. And you have been working with prisoner education in Mountjoy for over 30 years. So Anne, can you please tell us a bit about your background and how you came to work in Mountjoy? Okay, well, first of all, thank you for taking an interest in prison education and I'm delighted to contribute to the podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm a regular secondary school teacher. I qualified as a history and geography teacher in the mid-1980s. There wasn't a lot of work for history and geography teachers then. And I was going around secondary schools doing, you know, maternity leave and substitution and so on. And then I actually saw an ad in the paper for Teachers for Prison Education. And I really liked the sound of it. I just thought it sounded different. I thought it sounded interesting. I suppose maybe my own background in secondary school, I was, you know, I was an okay student. I mightn't have been the teacher's favourite student. So... I kind of maybe felt I could understand people who, you know, who, that school wasn't smooth for them. So anyway, I went for the interview, got the job. And like I said, I think that was not, probably 32 years ago and I'm still here. And I love it. It's great. I really absolutely love it so much. I think it's, uh, prisons are interesting places. They're sad. They're depressing places. But they are also interesting. And I suppose one of the things I like about the education here is that we kind of feel it's our job to to maybe have a bit of a sanctuary within the prison, somewhere safe and comfortable that students can come to where they can develop skills and competencies that will basically just help them live a better life or to fulfill their potential. Because maybe one of the things that has struck me over the 30 years is the amount of almost wasted talent that is in here. You know, um, lots of guys that in a different life or in a different, you know, just if they had taken perhaps different paths or more likely if different paths were available to them, could have achieved wonderful things. So I suppose really that's, Not an answer, it's a very rambling (laughs) way of answering your question. But like I said, like all prison educators in Ireland, we're generally secondary school qualified teachers or we're qualified further education teachers. So we enjoy the same terms and conditions of service as any regular secondary school teacher. Okay. Okay, thank you, Anne. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned, you know, what you might have thought of prison before. But mm-hmm. since coming onto the premises and meeting yourself, it's a really nice environment. Mm-hmm. And I really like that you use the term sanctuary. Mm. And that's really interesting because I think often, you know, because the media, prison is perceived in a certain way or people who are incarcerated. Mm. But yeah, it's just, a, it's a really nice way that you put it there. And I definitely yeah. feel it since walking on. Yeah, and I, I can understand, Emer. I mean, we have to be pragmatic and honest here. I can understand how some listeners might feel, well, you know, why give them sanctuary? Like these are dangerous people yeah. who've done horrible things. And yes, that's true. But the reality is prisoners are going to leave prison. 
the prison sentence is the punishment. And I feel it's our role in education to make sure that when they leave prison, they're not any more damaged than when they came in. Because you're right, people have this perception about prisons that, you know, colour TVs and all cells and they're swanning around doing nothing. And it's a, you know, it's, it's easy. Prisons are not easy and they are dangerous and damaging places. And they're damaging even if it's only because family relationships break down. If you're away for two years, eight years, 15 years, you know, it's really hard to, con- to keep in contact with your children. And even if the relationships, those positive, important relationships in your life, even if they survive, your educational opportunities are, you know, interrupted. Your employment yeah. opportunities when you leave are fairly limited yeah. if we're being pragmatic. So that's what I mean by prisons damaging people. So even if somebody gets through their sentence in a wonderful prison and everything in an ideal world was fabulous, they still have those basic problems to face. Yeah. That, you know, life is very different when they come out. Yeah, so absolutely. So that's what I mean by sanctuary. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm saying, that really we're hoping that prisoners can cope better with their sentence, be less damaged by the experience by coming to education and doing something constructive with their time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Anne. You explained that so wonderfully. So to get more into the technical side of things, so I know the education and the prisoner education system in Ireland does differ significantly from those elsewhere. Um, And the structure here in Mountjoy is unique as well. So can you please tell us a bit about the education structure that you have in Mountjoy? Okay, well, in in Ireland, uh, prison education is provided by the local education authority, the local ETB. So here in Dublin, it's the city of Dublin ETB. Uh, All teachers are employed by that. And we work in partnership with the Irish Prison Service. So it's that's what's different, I think, than many other countries. In a lot of other countries, the education, the teachers are employed directly by the prison service or unfortunately in some countries, if there is education, it might be an NGO or a religious group that are going in and providing some form of education. So in Ireland, like I said, it's a partnership and that's what makes it a sort of professional service because you have professional educators delivering a a curriculum that is in tune with the needs of its learners. So the input of the prison service is that we can identify, you know, what the learning needs of prisoners are as distinct from a secondary school in the outside or youth reach or some of the other centres. So it's that kind of partnership and it's the fact, um, like I said, that uh, the educators or the teachers are employed by Department of Education. So that really makes Ireland a little bit different than most other countries. It also allows us to provide a very broad curriculum. So I think if you went to and saw an education centre, even in you know the Netherlands or somewhere like that, you're talking about maybe one or two classrooms. You're talking about the prisoners working all day and then getting some education in the evening and education in that, the, that sense might be some art classes or some literacy classes. And it's always a surprise to educators, prison educators, when they come to Ireland and they see our schools, our prison schools. They're always going, oh, it's so big and there's so many classrooms and you have so many subjects. 
So, yeah, we're really fortunate here in Ireland that we have a, a well thought out and well planned and very professional service. Yeah, absolutely. And on, on a day-to-day basis for a prisoner who is engaging with education here in Mountjoy, what does that look like? Can they pick which classes they like to go to or what yeah. does it look like on a day-to-day? Yeah, uh, we're, are, we're based in the whole notion of adult education and adult education means that participation is voluntary. So you can't, it's almost like giving up smoking or something, you can't force somebody to, to learn to read and write or to learn a subject if they don't want to do it themselves. You can put them in the room, you can do your best, but it's not, it's just not going to work. So uh, participation in education in prisons is voluntary. And that's important for us because it means when the guys come to class, they want to learn. Now they have other motivations for coming to class, which I personally feel are equally kosher. They come to class to meet you know, other guys from different landings, they don't get to meet. They come up to meet women. Yeah. They come up to uh, talk about what they saw on the news the night before. So that kind of social or that normalising of the prison, that opportunity, like I said, to get away from the landings, to get away from all the stuff that's happening happening down there and to, to be in an atmosphere that creates a climate for learning is very important for us. So once we've got that climate for learning, then the guys can start, we can start addressing their needs. Needs. So again, sorry, Eva, very long-winded again. <laughs> so the curriculum in, in Mountjoy is slightly different than some of the other jails or prisons. Uh, half of the prison is segregated, so about half the prison prisoners are on protection and the other prison they're not on protection. So that means our curriculum is divided. In the morning we take non-protection guys and in the afternoon we take protection guys. They, the curriculum is very similar they can come up, choose whatever subject they want. We do expect them to commit. You know, it's not just drop in and hang around for a bit. You know, you come up, you get an interview, you get a timetable and you follow your classes. But like I said, the curriculum is broad. So somebody could come up and uh, learn to play guitar. And if we have a space, he can learn to play guitar all week. Great. Or if he's much more interested in doing his leaving search, Again, we'll do that. We'll accommodate that. So it is very flexible. It's very open. It's almost, I remember somebody saying it was like a smorgasbord. You know, yeah. you come in and take what you want. And again, for our students who who have such a, a negative of experience or a negative time in school previously, having that opportunity to just come in and test the waters is really important because they're more likely to stay or they think they want to do art and then they see something interesting happening in another classroom they go you know I might do that so it again it sounds as if it's all very open and loose but really ultimately it just means that people eventually find their niche yeah. and they can settle in and relearning can take place. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned there about having quite a wide curriculum mm. and I know you mm. facilitate both formal and mm. informal education here. And often at Dublin Learning City, we speak about how informal education, so for example, the arts or sport can be a pathway to formal education. Why do you feel it's so important to have informal education integrated as part of your programme here? 
Yeah, well, the creative arts really are central. They are so central to our curriculum because they are, as you say, they're a gateway into more formal learning. So I I don't necessarily have statistics to hand, but so many of our learners have left school early. Yeah. Uh, They didn't like school. And as I've said before, they couldn't wait to get out of the school. The teachers couldn't wait for them to get out of the school. So they're not going to rush up to education when they end up in Mount Joy, but they might rush up to an art class or they might rush up to a cookery class. They will, in fact, rush up to a cookery class, let's face it. So that's what I mean by gateway subjects. It means that they're up, they're engaging, and then they're more likely to feel comfortable. And it really is second chance education. It is an opportunity for them to come up and then start developing their skills and to get more formal qualifications. You know, so many of our students do particularly QQI, And so many of our students do the Leaving Cert and go on to do Open University. But getting accreditations and qualifications are not the be-all and end-all for us. They're great, they're wonderful, and they're very helpful in terms of watching a student's progress. And they're very helpful for the student in terms of developing their self-confidence, their own self-esteem. They often use it as a sort of to measure themselves, having felt they failed previously, you know, getting a leaving cert for for somebody who left school very early is such an achievement. But equally, for somebody who's learning to read and write, to be able to write the first birthday card to their child at home, I mean, that's an incredible achievement. So I would never say the leaving cert is more important than a literacy class or learning how to cook a nutritious meal for your family. So I suppose it is that, like I said, that balance between the formal and the informal. The informal is the gateway, but it also, you know, it's education for its own sake. And they are really important skills that guys are learning while they're they're attending those classes so yeah absolutely and I, I think it's it's really interesting that you mentioned um I suppose it's choice and someone taking ownership of their education whether they want to get a qualification or an accreditation or whether they want to learn a skill um, and that they serve different purposes and that's really important particularly if someone didn't have a good experience of school yeah that now they feel that they're engaging in some form of education that resonates with them and resonates with the life that they're leading or that they want to continue to lead as well. Very much so. And I think people forget that, you know, like I said, we're going back to adults here. It's not like a school where you have to, you know, if you're in secondary school and you're teaching French, you have to follow the curriculum. The kids have to pass the leave and search in French. And that's great and that's fine. But if you're talking about adults, it has to be, as you say, meaningful. Whatever you're learning has to be meaningful to you. You have to feel it's of use to you in some way. So that's why the broad curriculum allows prisoners or allows our students, you know, our learners choose what's good for them at that particular time, at that particular place in their prison sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there just one example someone writing a birthday card to their child Mm. and I know uh, probably a large majority of prisoners will either have children or may have children in the future Mm. so them engaging in learning here Mm -hmm. they'll pass that on to their children the main goal and the end goal is Mm. that these people will be reintegrating back into society 
So you want their time here to be meaningful and beneficial. Absolutely. Um, and do you see examples of that? Like All the time. Yeah. And I think that is like ultimately we're in the long game, you know. It is the idea of breaking, you know, breaking that chain of intergenerational education disadvantage. It's, yeah. it's, it's so important for us that even if the learners themselves don't, um, achieve all they want to achieve in education in Mountjoy, but if they pass on the an understanding of the value of education for their children or and grandchildren, that to us is 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 what's really important. So we, you know, often here we have guys who do the leaving cert because their daughter's doing it. Yeah, you know, and they'll say they'll do one or two subjects, and they'll say, you know, the young one's doing the leaving cert. I just wanted to to give her a hand, and I just wanted to have something to talk to her about. Yeah. And that's another thing that's kind of interesting. And I suppose any parents listening, you know, it's hard to talk to teenagers. Um, I think it's hard to talk to teenagers, but. If you're only once a week on a phone, phoning your 15-year-old son, I mean, the kind of meaningful conversation you're going to have is not going to be great. Often we've had students say to us, you know, even if they weren't just following the state exam or whatever, but doing courses like that gives them something to talk to their kids about. They can stretch out the conversation. So they love being able to say you know so what what's you know what 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 poem were you studying this week I did you know that kind of thing so yeah that that's an obvious one is where you know people are following the same curriculum or working together but it is just generating that sense of you know education can change my life education can transform the future for me and for my children and once I have that epiphany, which for many people it is, for many prisoners it is, then they pass that on to their children. So, like I said, it might be down the line for us, but we always have that as a sort of the end game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's really interesting. And it's often something that I would suppose, honestly, quote myself, hadn't thought about Mm. in that depth Mm. Um, but it is really interesting and particularly for reintegrating back into society and when you find prisoners reintegrating back into society so you mentioned earlier about issues about gaining employment Mm -hmm. when you have a prisoner who has got a qualification year or who has gained a skill do you find when they leave that helps them um, gain employment or even gives them the self-esteem and confidence to reintegrate yeah I do I mean you know it's always going to be tough you know like we said these people you know people if you have a criminal record no one's going to start jumping out (laughs) to give you jobs all over the place but if you can show that you've accepted what you've done that you've stepped up to the mark and you've done everything you can to to kind of pay it back and everything you've can to to change yourself and ensure that you don't do it again well then I think that's important for employers or for people can see well this person has matured this person has given this thought they have developed so yes it's important to get skills I I guess because we're coming from an education background we're more likely to channel our students into further education rather than directly into employment there are very there are good uh, you know employment services within the prison that would kind of go down that route that's not to say we don't 
but most of our connections would be with you know ETB yeah. FE colleges or with the local universities around the city okay okay great and when a prisoner does leave and you know you encourage them to go on to further education what supports are on the outside that help them this, transition this, yeah you see this this is a really big issue i remember reading a statistic somewhere that uh, said of all you know for ex prisoners within two years of getting released over 50 percent of the trouble you know the contact with the police or whatever they had within that two-year period happened in the first six months so it's the first six months of getting out is is the the dodgy time for prisoners so we're very fortunate here in dublin because we actually have a post-release education center based in parnell square called pathways and again, that's a wonderful support for any prisoner, no matter where where he's going, whether he's going to Trinity or whether he's doing a, a QQI course in some of the employment centres, Pathways is there for him to drop in and out and get his support. Like I said, FE colleges and a lot of the universities to work towards access programmes and to make sure that you know, uh, policies and procedures are in place to ensure that prisoners, you know, can get the same access and are not discriminated against when they do move on to college. Um, Quite recently, we we have set up a partnership with Maynooth. There's Maynooth University, Mountjoy Maynooth Partnership. And it's a wonderful initiative. And in fact, at the moment, kind of exploring the possibility of maybe getting some sponsorship or scholarships for for prisoners, which would be great. But um, we or Maynooth discovered that actually their policy had had their emissions policy had something about having a criminal record in it. Okay, And even small things like that, that while Maynooth were 100% on board, um, we had students going out there on a daily basis. They were the sociology department were behind them. The access department were behind them. Everybody was behind them. And then suddenly the computer spots this little ticked box on a form and everything came to a halt. So when you talk about support systems, it's that kind of thing that is really important that, um, you know, the the universities and the FE colleges realize that, yes, everybody can have our doors open and we can all be on board. But we really do have to go back to basics and make sure that the policies, the procedures and things like spent convictions and all sorts of stuff is in in place to ensure that there's a smooth passage. Absolutely. And I mean, even though it disrupted yeah, oh, well, it was all, for yeah. you, at least it yeah. was noticed. And that it was noticed, it was corrected, change, it was yeah. sorted out. And what was great about it as well is Maynooth were fantastic. They they informed other universities and FEs. They alerted other people to this. So yeah. it was a real, a small step, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but, but a silly little thing that was spotted and corrected. So I think, though, without having the partnership, without having those personal relationships, something like that would be a real slap in the face to a prisoner, you know, and he probably wouldn't, would have just maybe, as they'd say themselves, knocked it on the head and said, listen, forget this, I'm out of here, I'm not. Whereas the fact that there were those support structures there and those relationships built up meant that, okay, that's no big deal, we'll sort this out. 
we'll get it, you know, we'll get it sorted. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that that can be a learning curve for other universities. But I understand what you're saying. For the prisoner, even their confidence, that would be something that would knock them, that would make them, you know, immediately feel excluded or isolated or that there was a taboo. Well, this is it, that this is going to hang over my head for the rest of my life. And no matter where I go or what I do, this is going to, you know, go in front of me. Now, I mean, the reality is it will, and not every prisoner, but, you know, I've seen students of ours, you know, they know that whatever they've done is going to be there. It is a part of their lives and it will follow them forever. But it's not their whole identity. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe that's one of the things that education can, can help learners with or prison students with. You know, it gives them another identity. If you have all these negative labels constantly hanging over your head, they do need to be balanced by positive labels. We all need, you know, we're all the sum of our parts and none of us should be should be judged by the worst thing we do. Yeah. So if I was constantly every time I met a new person and they knew the worst thing I did, you know, before I even walked into the room, I'd never leave my house, you know. Yeah. So I do think that it's that that's kind of balance and that sense of identity and that sense of, you know, we are the sum of our parts and we're all good and we're all bad. And Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, any one person doesn't have one narrative. Yeah. We have many. And it's interesting, I think, from an outsider's perspective. And I think that's why your partnership with Maynooth will be so beneficial, because it will be beneficial for the students of Maynooth as well. Because as much as, you know, a prisoner is reintegrating back into society, for the people in society, they will, you know, more than likely have a perception. Mm-hmm. And on our episode last week, um, I was speaking to a woman who came from direct provision and she said that when she went into university, she went through a sanctuary scholarship, okay. that she felt it was them and me mm-hmm. and that there was a label hanging over her. Mm-hmm. But there is different things that can be done to break down that barrier. Mm-hmm. And I think prison education is something that isn't spoken about enough. Mm-hmm. Personally, it was something that I didn't know about enough and that there should be more narrative around so it makes it easier for the prisoner reintegrating. But also, it, you know, it can be a really enjoyable experience for students as well. Yes, and Maynooth were fantastic. And other universities, the Criminology Department in UCD have frequently brought students in to meet our students who are following criminology courses in here. So it is that exchange of just being in the room, taking away the stigma, as you say, coming into prison, sitting in a prison classroom as a student in a college or a university on the outside, being fearful, and then after half an hour having a bit of a laugh and kind of going, sure, God, they're the same as myself, or yeah. I didn't think it would be like this, or yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, absolutely breaking down those barriers. And the same for our students then when they go to a university on the outside to say, well, okay, I am equal. You know, I do have a right to be here. I did, you know, pass the, the, the criteria. I did ful- fulfill the criteria to get yeah. here. So I'm not a fraud. You know, I have every right to be in this lecture hall as everyone else. So 
you know, I suppose I don't want to make it sound like it's all rosy in the garden. Yeah, the reality is for uh, so many of our prisoners, those opportunities just will never happen. But for those that do, they are role models for everybody else. And they are something for us all to aspire to. Absolutely. Um, And for, you know, those prisoners that you say it won't happen. And this is a quite big question, I guess. But, you know, if there is any factors that influence it not happening, what would you say that that they are? Well, I mean, I'm sitting here talking about education, you know, and education is great and it's wonderful. We're we're educationalists, but... You know, for so many prisoners and prisoners' families, education is way down the agenda. We're talking near homelessness. We're talking addiction. We're talking fear of owing a lot of money to very dangerous people. You know, so it's all well and good for me to say, oh, get an education. But when you're faced with those almost insurmountable societal problems, like education is kind of down the line. So there are so many barriers to to reintegration that, you know, sometimes it can feel overwhelming. But I think maybe education and training, it does help our learners kind of, as you say, you know, gain the self-confidence or the self-understanding to go, right, okay, so right, I can't go home. The missus doesn't want me. The kids aren't talking to me. So how am I going to spend the next 40 years of my life and what am I going to do? And so even if they don't have a big qualification or whatever, at least they've thought about this. They've developed the critical thinking skills to kind of go, right, I've done this. This is my responsibility. What do I do next? Who's going to help me? How do I access them? And it really is, like I said, stepping up to the mark and kind of going, okay, so I'm getting out in three weeks' time or three months' time. How do I map out my future? Um, In a way, sometimes I kind of think for so many of our students, we're almost, you know, skilling them or giving them skills to deal with long-term unemployment or the skills to deal with addiction and relapse or things like that. So... That's yeah. a little bit negative there, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there are are big issues, and that's why we have the so-called revolving door. Yeah. You know, if those issues weren't there, we wouldn't have exactly. people committing crime and coming back to prison and so yeah. on. And it's the reality. And um just on that note, and so you mentioned, you know, people have different vices when they when they come out of prison. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere that they can hear about services to help? So say with addiction, is there information? Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, there is so much here. I mean the prison the prison service is good, the prison service is great. There's a, a detox program here in Mountjoy. Well, pre everything of course is pre-COVID everything was, Yeah, you know. <laughs> but um yeah, so there's detox program, addiction services, psychological service and psychiatric services. There's probation. I mean, all the structures are in place, but it is that walking out the gate with a big plastic bag, a big black bag at three o'clock on a, you know, Friday afternoon and services are closed and you have no money in your pocket. And if you have someone to collect you, great. You know, that is a help, but you might have no one to collect you. So where do you go? So, yes, the guys will have the names of homeless hostels. They'll have the names of all sorts of stuff. But it does take a while to get everything to fall into place, Absolutely. you know, to go to the various services. 
And then sometimes, you know, they're just not prepared. And it's just yeah. because they probably haven't engaged with us or with probation or other people while in jail. You yeah. know, and they do end up going out at three o'clock with absolutely no idea where they're going or what they're doing and rock up to their old friends again or back down to the pub or whatever. Yeah. And, and things just start all over. Yeah. You know, but it's kind of going back to what I was sort of saying earlier on. It's if you can catch people and get them to think and reflect on, on things like that. Yeah. You know, stop, think, why am I here? What got me here? And what do I need to do to make sure I don't come back to my joy? Yeah. So I think all of the services, ourselves and the other services working together, that's really what we're trying to, to focus on. Yeah. You know, and, and to empower then our learners to, to have the skills to actually, you know, not just ask the question, but then to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a whole lot of wraparound that comes with that. So health services, for example, is one. And I know we find that ourselves in our work. It's never just solely education. It's a whole load of other services. And that's what I always say, like nobody ended up in Mountjoy because they left school at 14. Yeah. You know, they left school at 14 because there were lots of other things going on in their lives. Yeah. You know, and it's it's the combination of those factors, you know, that led to them leaving school maybe at 14. You know, they're still there when they come to Mountjoy. If they come to us and we fix the education bit, you know, the rest of those factors are still there as well, are probably still there. So it is, it is. So we have to be, I suppose what I'm trying to say is we have to be pragmatic ourselves about what we can do. Yeah. You know, but it is all about going back to that idea of lessening the damage, doing our best to make sure that when they do get out or when they are heading home that there is a path for them they can see they can see you know a positive future and identity for themselves yeah absolutely um and i i think what you said that do you know education is so powerful because even if it enables them to start asking those questions even if there's a lot of things going on in their life that are negative mm-hmm. um, and it's very difficult to navigate a pathway mm-hmm. by giving someone an education mm-hmm. That is, you know, enlightening them to start navigating what they need to do. Yeah, um, to recognise. I think yeah, it is, to you know, to recognise things. And, you know, and it's not just about giving people rights or saying you have a right to this or that. I mean, it's about recognising that with rights goes responsibilities. Yeah. So it is that kind of thing of, OK, so if I have the right to this, I also have responsibility. Absolutely. So if you have any key messages about the importance of education in prison and investing in prison education, what would they be? I suppose my key message is, and I'm at the risk of repeating myself, like it is about second chance education. We are trying to, you know, to to provide something provide hope and skills for people who failed at education before and who were failed by education before. And I just think if, you know, if if people believe in education, if you think education is a good thing, well, then you must automatically think education is a good thing for people who've never, like I said, succeeded at it in the past. So I suppose my key message is if people you know, kind of think, well, criminals, they don't deserve this. They're bad people. Lock them up, throw away the key. My message is, listen, think about it a little more. I think that's very short-sighted, like we said. 
they are going to get out, they do have families, you know, and breaking that chain of, of educational disadvantage, I guess maybe that's my key message. Yeah. You know, that we need to think, look at the big picture here. Absolutely. And that's a very powerful message and a very powerful message to end on today. Um, so Anne, there's been so much in today's episode. I know myself, I've learned a lot coming away from this and I hope our listeners will as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and really looking forward to diving more into prison education and learning a lot more. And hopefully even out of this, it will spark interest in others as well to learn about. So thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're more than welcome, Emirith. And like I said at the beginning, thanks for taking an interest. It's good to know people are interested in what we do. Absolutely. Thank you, Anne.